Okay. Is it morally right to bring people into existence without their consent, knowing that they will inevitably endure suffering during their life? Isn't it selfish? Good question. Um, Tolstoy asked that question in, in his confessions. And so if you're interested in, in an answer to that question, you know, one of the things I would recommend is that you read that book. Because that was kind of his conclusion. He looked at life and he thought, Yeah, he tells this story. It's a Buddhist story about this guy who's out in the field and he's being chased by people who want to kill him. And so he jumps into this hole and he's hanging on. It's like an old well and he's hanging on for dear life to this branch. And at the bottom of the hole, there's a crocodile. And so he's hanging on there. And while he's hanging on, he notices two things. There's some grapes on the vine, and then there's about two mice. One's a black mouse and one's a white mouse, and they're on each, either side of the vine, and they're chewing through it. And so he knows, you know, he can get out and get killed, or he can fall and get killed, or he can wait. Well, so what he does is he eats the grapes, you know. And, and it's a Buddhist story, a Taoist story, because the white mouse is chaos, and, or order, and the black mouse is chaos. And there's always things working at the vine of being. There's no doubt about it. And you know, you're screwed no matter what you do, which is the moral of that story. And Tolstoy looked at that story and said, look, the only logical conclusion that you can draw from that is that life is so terrible that it shouldn't exist. And hey, Dostoevsky asked the same question. In, Brothers Karamazov, he has this character named Ivan, who's a smart, good-looking, tough guy, good intellect, perceptive, and cutting. And he has this brother named Alyosha, who's kind of a, he's a soft guy in some ways. He's not an intellect, but he's really a good person. Alyosha's kind of classically religious, and he's, he wants to be a novitiate in a monastery. And Ivan just tortures him to death, because he can blow him over with his intellect, you know. And uh, Ivan tells this story about that Dostoevsky took from the newspapers about this family, mother and father, who they were angry at their four-year-old daughter and they locked her in an outhouse overnight and she was screaming out there and she froze to death. You know, it was, it was news in, in, in Moscow. And Ivan basically says to Alyosha, it's like, you know, who's making a case for the goodness of being or the goodness of God, depending on how you want to look at it. And Ivan says, how the hell can you bother? How can you even dare to make an argument like that? It's like, this is the sort of thing that happens in the world all the time. And then he asks Eliosha, look, would you be willing voluntarily to torture that girl to death to ensure that things would continue? And Eliosha says, well, no, I wouldn't do it. And Ivan says, well, I know you wouldn't do it. So it's like, What's your conclusion about that? Being shouldn't exist. And then Goethe asks the same question in, in uh, Faust. He has a character in that named Mephistopheles. And Mephistopheles is he's kind of the intellectual angle of Satan. That's one way of thinking about it. Uh, and he says the same thing. He's, he's talking about his motivations. He says, well, what motivates the great adversary of mankind? And Mephistopheles says it's straightforward. Being is so terrible that it should be eradicated. Okay, fair enough. Strong argument. People tried it. It's not clear to me that that's where we should go. 
So because as far as I can tell, when people work for the eradication of being, it makes everything that they're complaining about way worse really fast. And so then the other thing you might ask yourself is, do you really think that's the motivation? It's really so pure-hearted. You know, they're going to destroy mankind to save it. And they're making a judgment. The judgment is being is so terrible that it shouldn't exist. Now, don't get me wrong. I get the rationale for that argument. It's Ivan's rationale. It's never put more strongly than in the British Karamazov. It's a famous passage, and rightly so. The question here was with regards to bringing children into the world. Well, it's a variation of the same question. You know, the question is, what do you have to conclude if you're not going to do it? You're concluding that being is not worth, that being is not justifiable. Well, that's a hell of a conclusion. I would be very careful before I made it, because there are places it takes you that are not good. So, and then you might also ask yourself, are you so sure that you're asking that question just because you're a good person? Are you maybe asking that question because you don't want the responsibility, say, of having a child in this particular example? Or maybe you're afraid that you won't know how to fortify the child properly, so you're withdrawing in fear. Fair enough. Look, what you do with children is you encourage them. And I mean that literally. It's like you have a little kid and you say, look, man, you can take on the world. And you don't sugarcoat it. It's like, it's not, it's all, you know, fairy tales and roses. It's not. And you don't shield, like, you shield kids enough so you don't damage them. It's a really tight balance say, because you don't want to, you don't want to overwhelm someone and hurt them while you're teaching them. You have to expose them gradually and with intelligence, and you do that by having a relationship with the kid. You don't want to shield them from existence. You want to show them just what it's like. And then you want to tell them, it doesn't matter, man. You're tough enough. You can do it. And you can do it right. And it's true. They can. And if you if you fortify them with that knowledge, man, their, their being is not characterized by the kind of suffering that makes existence intolerable. And so the answer isn't not to have children. The answer is to have them properly and to encourage them. And that's tough because, you know, you're kind of fragmented and broken. And if you treat your child right, they might exceed you. And that's annoying. So you may do everything you can to bloody well make sure that your kid is broken enough so there's no way they're going to do any better than you. And so I wouldn't recommend that. But people do it all the time. But that doesn't mean that existence itself is insufficient. It just means that you're not handling it properly and you're making it far worse than it has to be. I mean, one of the things I asked myself a long time ago was, first of all, I know there's a distinction between tragedy and evil. That's an important distinction. Tragedy is when things happen that aren't good. Someone gets cancer. You know, um, your child slips and breaks his or her leg. You know, your parents die. That's tragic. Evil is when something tragic happens because someone wanted it to happen. Okay, so we can distinguish between those two. The first thing I would say is people can handle tragedy. Like you can get tough enough so you can handle tragedy. In fact, I think you can get tough enough so that you even get tougher if you're exposed to tragedy. That's sort of Nietzsche's statement about you know whatever doesn't kill me makes me stronger. Obviously, it's a you know it's, a, it's an overstatement. It's very hard for people to tolerate evil, malevolence. So, like I've seen people, for example, because I've had lots of clients with post-traumatic stress disorder, they're very often traumatized by malevolence, not tragedy. They they fall victim to someone who wants to hurt them. And maybe it's even themselves that wants to hurt them, and, and that's revealed to them. You know, 
But sometimes it's that they come into, they're often naive people. They come into contact with someone whose purpose is to hurt them. And that shatters them so badly they can't put themselves back together. Evil's really devastating. I think human beings can tolerate tragedy. And I also think that if people oriented themselves towards the improvement of being, we could continually ameliorate tragedy. And I do also believe that being is striving to perfect itself. Now, that's obviously a metaphysical statement, but I don't really care if it's a metaph metaphysical statement. I have my reasons for, for believing that. And I think that the purpose of human life is to participate in that process. And because, again, the alternative is things are pointless and life is suffering and it should be eradicated. It's like that leads nowhere good. It really leads nowhere good. So I can dispense with it. It's a bad argument because the where it takes you. It's like a bad roadmap. Because most profound ideas are roadmaps. They tell you how to get from one point to another. You know, do you want to get to the depths of infernal chaos or do you want to move towards something that approximates paradise? Well, you better make sure you have the right map. And so, and, and most belief systems are roadmaps. They're not descriptions of reality. They're not descriptions of objective reality. They're, that isn't what they are. So, have kids, for God's sake. Well, look, it's one third of your life. You will bloody well regret it if you don't do it. You're not going to be 20 forever or 30. Someday you're going to be 50 or 55. And maybe you'll be alone. And that's not so good. And so, you're a fool if you don't have kids. Now, I mean, I know people have their reasons, and some people have appropriate reasons and all of that. But if it's some ideological hang-up that's stopping you, it's, man, you better dispense with that instead, instead of dispensing with the kids.